Barclays. This is our podcast about culture, politics, and religion. It's funny every time I have to think about that. And today we're talking about the colonial pipeline shutdown and energy security and what this crisis exposed. And maybe for those who aren't on the East Coast, uh, maybe you probably read about in the news, there was a ransomware attack that led to colonial oil, I believe, shutting down a major pipeline on the East Coast that goes from New Jersey to Alabama Mm -hmm. that supplies about 45% of all gas, diesel, jet fuel for the East Coast. So there's much consternation on the East Coast. It was like the story for this early this week. I mean, everyone was feeling good. Everyone's vaccinated, planning some early summer vacations and road Mm -hmm. trips to the beach. And then, bam, gas shortages. Right. And it really didn't happen until Tuesday, it seemed. The shortages, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the... the, the, So when did did the actual hack happen? The attack. I've seen different reports Friday night, Saturday. Okay. So it probably happened on Friday. The Colonial Oil, Colonial Pipeline, this company discovered that their IT systems had been the target of a ransomware attack. So a ransomware attack is where a bad actor somehow gets into computer systems and encrypts data, downloads a bunch of data, say like human resources files, payment files, encrypts them and then sends you a threatening note saying, hey, we have all this information and we're going to release it publicly um, for, you know, six months online unless you pay us, you know, $10 million, $20 million. This happens on a corporate scale for tens of millions. This happens to individuals too. Hmm. Uh, Experts are saying we're having a ransomware pandemic, epidemic. Ooh, yikes. Uh, Just... Poor cybersecurity is often the cause. I know the Colonials, Associated Press had this story out in 2018, I guess, security auditors said that Colonial systems could be hacked into by an eighth grader. And this is really, uh, you know, looking at cybersecurity as an issue, it's really, (laughs) if you're not like basically the NSA or a bank, (laughs) you have bad cybersecurity. Um, you just think about passwords, you know, we all use passwords for all our accounts. We all have probably 10 to a hundred accounts. We copy passwords, we mm-hmm. reuse passwords. Um, maybe our usernames are easily identifiable. And a lot of these passwords because of various information breaches, you can think of Equifax uh, a few years ago, the target that data breach, you know, four or five years ago, it had to do with credit card information data is our data is probably out there <laughs> and it's just really prolific but th- this is a a big problem with institutions businesses hospitals have major cybersecurity issues hmm. so analysts for a long time have been saying something bad's going to happen because of poor cybersecurity practices we just don't know what it will be hmm. there's lots of doom and gloom saying that there's going to be a cyber pearl harbor or uh, something i don't think it's going to be that bad there's a very few cybersecurity incidents that have what they called kinetic effects so real mm. world effects like you know blowing up something um the this pipeline thing would be one no i it depends on how you define that huh. so because this was a ransomware so they this group got into the it systems for this company and out of an abundance of caution the company shut down the pipeline oh okay so there's evidence that this 
group just was trying to get money from the business side uh, of Colonial. And abundance of caution, they shut down the pipeline just to be sure. Hmm. So nothing, you know, blew up or whatever other damage was caused. And shortly after this uh, company called Darkside, which is based somewhere in Eastern Europe, <laughs> came out with this statement claiming, I, I don't know if outright claiming credit, but analysts, analysts link it to this group. And they're a ransomware as a service company. <laughs> so they provide, if you want to say extort money from a company, you go to Darkside and say, hey, we want to make you know $5 million. And they say, okay, use this software. Wow. We'll target this company. Someone will probably click a link. We'll get in their system. Taylor, maybe you shouldn't be advertising for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do not endorse this this message at all. But I, I was just fascinated. Like this exists. This wow. is a world that's out there. Yikes! Uh, cyber criminal, cyber crime is this huge industry. Uh, a lot of it's based in Eastern Europe, hmm. and uh, why this is that? Is, I don't technical expertise, huh. IT infrastructure, education levels. Uh, yeah, there's books written about this. Brian Krebs is an excellent resource if you're looking for a particular author on cybercrime. I, I will not be reading about this at <laughs> night. So you you have to give us the readers. He wrote digest. a book about he, the book is called Spam Nation, and he runs this great blog called Krebs on Security. K R E B S Krebs. Anyway, so dark side. <laughs> provides a service and they said hey guys we didn't really mean for this to happen hmm. we only target companies uh with deep pockets we explicitly don't target infrastructure funeral homes hospitals huh. and they said we're going to be better at uh moderating the types of you know actors that come through here and moderating was like wait a minute they have content moderation problems too just like <laughs> facebook and instagram and uh twitter <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> So anyway, uh, it was just fascinating to see this pipeline shut down. And then, you know, a yeah. few days later, the kind of this collective panic. I don't know if you want to comment on that part. Right, right. And I thought it was interesting. I was I was reading up on it today. You know, it feels like the past, what, two days it, it since Tuesday is when kind of the big shortages started happening. Mm -hmm. And lines, lines around the corners. Yeah, total, you know, areas that don't have gas anymore. And that wasn't due to the pipeline being shut down it was due to kind of the hoarding the hysteria everyone going and filling up you know their gas mm -hmm. cans or some uh, dumbos out there filling up trash bags i saw yeah i saw a photo of like um those tubs oh, you can get at walmart or whatever yikes yeah some of that going on and we don't then... endorse that either <laughs> no <laughs> please it's not safe i'm picturing like the zoolander scene <laughs> anyway freak gasoline fight <laughs> yeah Orange not, mocha frappuccinos. Not a hand. good idea. Um, and in addition to the kind of consumer hysteria, there was also there's also a trucker shortage of truckers mm. to get this gas from the pipeline to the um, station. So dealing with some other factors too that are creating the shortage. And I was reading an analyst from Gas Buddy said that. <laughs> It sounds legit, right? It demands to be taken seriously. I'm an analyst from Gas Buddy. A Gas Buddy analyst. <laughs> um, so that this might go on for a couple of weeks because the consumer hysteria persists. The trucker shortage is still a thing. Um, so, you know, we might be seeing this through hmm. Memorial Day even. So, you know, oh, be careful if you have beach plans. Well, yeah, and just... 
it's like the pipeline is working. It's actually been working right. since Wednesday at noon. Right. And I, I've this is just amazing to see how. So there's you know two there's two ways to look at the story of fragile systems. Whoa, everything is we're on like razor's edge society. Or right. like this is pretty resilient actually. The company shut this down out of an abundance of caution. Right. It was only what, Saturday till Wednesday, hmm. and there were other measures put in place, right? Like the D- Department of Transportation authorizing like increased road shipments, the temporary relief of the Jones Act, which is its own other thing. Right. Uh, so the Jones Act is this um, act from what, 1920 that says that maybe even a little earlier, but hmm. says that um, cargo carried between U.S. ports on ships has to be carried by, I think the vessel has to be made in the U.S. and entirely staffed by permanent citizens. And so when, you know, with fuel and other goods, you cannot have um, any non-U.S. vessels or um you know, you can't have global help. <laughs> so this has really made us dependent upon the colonial pipeline because, you know, we can't get any other fuel, you know, mm. from any allies or other actors. And, you know, it has had other bad effects in that Puerto Rico, um, this is why goods in Puerto Rico are so expensive mm. because they have to comply with the Jones Act. Um, Repeal the Jones Act. So, yeah, so they're... DHS issued a waiver of the Jones Act in this special instance for the colonial pipeline. Um, But it just goes to show that you really don't want to be solely dependent on one source. And kind of this goes into a larger conversation about energy security. True. Um, I visited my. ancestral homeland of Lithuania and got to visit you call it a, your motherland the motherland um, and for those of you who don't know the Baltic states are uh, bordering Russia Russia is always a threat Russia has occupied many times in many ways and they the Baltic states are always afraid of a Russian invasion even today mm-hmm. and uh, one way that Russia seeks to assert its power and control in Europe is by its pipelines <laughs> um, by being kind of a, a monopoly provider of energy to Europe so that you know if they shut things down Europe is beholden to them <laughs> and so Lithuania said that ain't happening <laughs> They opened a amazing actual Lithuanian quote. <laughs> yeah, in, in their ancient language, um, they started a, a port there on the Baltic Sea where uh, liquid natural gas could be uh, brought in by ships to Lithuania. Hmm. So this tiny little itty bitty country said, "We are not going to be beholden to Russia," and uh, started an LNG port, and it just you know, it, it shifted the balance of power and hmm. they no longer had to live in fear that Russia had complete control over their energy system. Mm-hmm. It is really important. I, th- You know, you and I were talking about just the things that this crisis, expo- crisis exposed mm-hmm. in culture. You know, you see, like, we were all itching to get back out there, start vacations, vaccines, and in arm, <laughs> in blood, whatever the thing is. And... I was reflecting 
I just take for granted the fact that like, oh, anytime I want, I can just go out there and get an infinite amount of gas, pretty much. Right. Fuel my car, the lawnmower, whatever. <laughs> if you're me, you're running on uh, near <laughs> empty all the time. Boo. This is, this is a whole nother. <laughs> this is a marital debate. I'm sure you all have it. Are you a full tank or an empty uh, tank refiller? Or, right. Do you fill up at half tank like wise people like <laughs> me did do? Or do you just take it to the limit like Rachel and you know it's only like once in a lifetime that you face <laughs> these gas shortages I was vindicated <laughs> I would say anyway I do enjoy just the abundance and just how throughout human history energy Same with grocery stores yeah and yeah right, right 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 all these things that, until last year's toilet paper shortage yep yeah and it's just amazing and so still even with this shutdown there was resiliency in the system it wasn't we're not looking at months here the other thing too was the the price gouging issue mm -hmm. uh, I, th I saw during a press conference department of energy secretary jennifer granholm was saying we are gonna strictly enforce and crack down on any uh, you know suppliers out there that raise their prices it's like well folks that's how you get long lines because <laughs> you have to raise prices if there's shortage in product this is just basic economics right and it's you can't have your cake and eat it too there would you rather have gas available and pay more for it say if you have to like drive for your job get your family to a hospital whatever the case might be or would you rather wait in line for 20 30 minutes yep uh so it, it you know, I, I wish gas stations had the ability to just you know, tack up like a $20 a gallon <laughs> sticker on their thing, but apparently that's illegal. Yeah. And it's just silly, and that's how we ended up with lines. Right, right. Like your your gut reaction is like, that's not right. They're taking advantage of the situation. But in reality, it's a way that you can ration things. And then if it's, you know, 20 bucks a gallon for a short period of time, maybe we wouldn't have a trucker shortage. Maybe because in trucking companies, like, we're going to pay you, you know, $5,000 right, right, for this month just right. to drive this truck and maybe a bunch of... Uh, truck drivers will come in a temporary retirement or whatever. Maybe I'll sign up. <laughs> Paid those rates. <laughs> Start exactly. My trucking exactly. Career. Like there's. It goes throughout reason. the system. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally. I thought that was silly. Yeah, and it, yeah, back to kind of the point you made earlier about um, this kind of exposing. Oh, what happens when there is a shortage or we aren't quite as secure as we thought? we were mm -hmm. i think we just tend to take yeah. for granted how secure our energy supply is and food supply and all of these kind of supply chains that water water oh, yeah, yeah heaven forbid yeah. um and you know i've i've thought to myself what over the past you know year and a half what ha that has done to our psyche with you know COVID 19 mm. and mm. the shortages at the beginning of that and then wondering you know People wonder if they can trust what the CDC says about COVID, you know, the disease <laughs> and how to respond to it. You know, it's um, every, everyone's not sure what the truth is about that. Yeah. Um, so you have a lot of mistrust there and uncertainty or feeling that it was being bungled or whatnot. Yeah. And then you had the Texas blackouts and brownouts during right. the winter. Right. Um, the freak winter storm. Yeah, the freak winter storm that kind of took everything out. And now you have this and kind of what, if hmm. any, this, you know, maybe people just move on with their lives and they forget about it. But if this kind of collective feeling of, oh, you know, maybe we aren't quite as secure as we thought we were. 
Um, hmm. You know, and I don't know how does that manifest. Does everyone become, you know, a prepper, home gardener? You all get your dried food, you know, emergency rations. I mean, it's it's pro- it's good to be a little prepared for contingencies, but like, there's a cost to all that preparation too, right? Of time right. and resources, um, just more efficient to not do that stuff. And I think all the the crises you mentioned, Texas is not, you know, a destitute country where no one lives anymore because of the storm like people stuck around they came back they repaired you know prices on materials gone through the roof because and now you know materials are going to the right places because prices are allowed to adjust uh you know even this this crisis i I imagine will be forgotten right in a couple weeks you know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing i i to me it's it's a feature of the system uh that it's these things are not crippling. Mm-hmm. Right. There there hasn't been anything yet that is kind of uh, the shortages or ramifications last more than a week or two. Right. Um, it kind of reminds me of one of my thinkers of previous uh, podcast episodes was the book Good Apple. And she, oh, yeah. uh, an evangelical Democrat in New York City who has, I forget, did she say she has three kids and they live in this New York City apartment and um, they, she said she kind of runs through the funny comments that people from her southern hometown ask her about raising a family in New York City and one of the things that she gets asked, I think maybe her mom and her mom's friends are always like, well, what happens if there is like this big emergency situation? Mm. What are you going to do? You're in your tiny apartment. You can't store, you know, goods (laughs) for an emergency or whatnot and she basically is just like, listen, any emergency that's ever happened, we've gone out and there's always been at least one or two courier boys riding around on bicycles. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's yep. been nothing that um, has completely depleted. And so, you know, yeah, there's some, some insecurity around these things. But ultimately, I mean, it's pretty incredible how resilient mm-hmm. systems have been, even despite all this. I think we've been talking around how should Christians respond mm. to these issues? Gratitude? Mm. Yeah. Like, holy cow, thankful every day. You know, if, where <laughs> we abundant supply. Right. At least for us, there are people all over the world who don't have this right. security and resources or just physical security. Yeah. Uh, like brownouts and scarcity are a fact of life in yes. much of the world. Much of the world, most of human history, how rare our time is. Yes. In yeah. this, uh, you know, I, I give thanks and just bathing our son in a clean tub right clean water whenever we want it whenever we want to turn the spigot on yeah. warm too it's amazing um yeah what are some other what's another christian response oh man i'm dwelling on that thankfulness that's really good uh, and i think just guarding against a spirit of fear right of, yeah yeah you know let's say the end times are coming we should not fear that right yeah true <laughs> if, if um you know you you are out there thinking the world is ending. We can't be sure that, you know, this uh, government's keeping us secure and I got to stock up, but I'm so afraid of what's going to happen. I, you know, would say that the Lord is in control, right? Mm-hmm. And certainly that doesn't mean just like 
go along and don't be prepared. Be like, I'm a Christian. I'm going to go to the beach and not put sunscreen on. Right. 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 There, there's a level of, <laughs> um, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Common Self, sense. Yeah. Common sense. <laughs> Self-preservation. Self, self-determination. Um, God does give us free will. We're not. Just... Jesus wore sandals. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. So there is, there's a balance of, you know, a reasonable level of preparedness, but also trusting God with the future. Yeah. Where does your ultimate security lie? Mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) What's your media stinker? My media stinker was the movie we watched last weekend. Ah. It's not a new movie but it's new to netflix you know how netflix like releases old movies this movie called (laughs) state of play which i thought would be good because it has like an all-star cast it has rachel mcadams it has russell (laughs) crowe and um oh it has ben affleck russell crowe's hair (laughs) yes he's this like he's this journalist who's a hero but he also has a really messy apartment they don't make him like they used to (laughs) And his hair is terrible. And the whole movie, he's running his fingers <laughs> through his hair, pushing it out of his eyes, and it's really annoying. It is. And on top of Russell Crowe's hair being annoying, it also just had all these like cliches. It, it's based in Washington, D.C. It's mm-hmm. like a political thriller. And, <laughs> you know, journalism and, pol- and politicians. and So many pointless helicopters. <laughs> yes. Lots of B-roll of like helicopters, even though it had nothing to do with it. I guess there are a lot of helicopters in this area. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. But... Next, next door app complaints are all about helicopters. <laughs> and the other thing that really bugged me was like, I'm going to go to my local <laughs> joint to think about this. And he goes to Ben's Chili Bowl. <laughs> You live in Washington, D.C., you know, like, nobody just like, I'm going to go to Ben's Chili Bowl. And the guy's like, can I get you your normal? Yes. And it was, it was, it was like, it was meant to be a jaw drop. It was like, what, chili cheese? Chili cheese fries and like two dogs. It was chili cheeseburger, chili cheese, half smoked chili cheese fries. If you've ever been to Ben's Chili Bowl, you know that order would destroy you. (laughs) I mean... Well, this is also my stinker, so like, I'm, yeah, we can just riff on this too. It's just the, I didn't really understand what was going on. Like, people were dying, and then, you know, there's the it it was released in I think oh nine, do we oh eight, and the villain is you know the private security contractor. Yes, always the villain. All security should be private. Is my plug, but you know this military, and we're on Blackwater. You know, late. Uh, late Halloween. stage, early of, of the first part of the Iraq War, like with Fallujah, a couple mm-hmm. years after Fallujah, and this is the villain, and it's you know, the politician and the staff, and like who's in, who's out, and this intrigue, and I wasn't really sure who to root against. It was confusing. Yeah, yeah I didn't really like any of the characters. Even I normally like Rachel McAdams, and even her character was just kind of annoying. It was interesting to the. the I guess it was, yeah, uh, right around the iPhone's release. And people still had, you know, big, thick monitors for the computer. And then, you know, Rachel's character was the the blogger. Oh, yeah, bloggers were new. Yeah, because Russell Crowe was the the old school, don't make them like they used to, journalist (laughs) who knew everyone in town somehow. Anyway, yeah. There's a reason we had never heard about it until it made (laughs) it to Netflix this year, (laughs) over a decade later. (laughs) So... Don't waste your time. Don't watch it. We just, you know, gave you 
the highlights or lowlights. We washed it so you don't have to. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor, what is your thinker? My thinker is I guess it's pretty. It's related to what we're talking about. Build for tomorrow, an excellent podcast that Charles Koch Institute does, where I work, happens to sponsor. <laughs> But uh, the latest episode was, I think it's called How to Live Like Ancient Royalty. Mm-hmm. And it's, he talks about you know, all these things we take for granted today that would just exceed the riches of any emperor mm. in medieval period and earlier, certainly. Air conditioning, indoor plumbing. I mean, you just stop right there. And like you're... a basic middle class house today. Yes. Oh, yeah. I think people even probably even low technically and in, yeah, low income. Uh, the number of clothes available at the low price, the colors in clothing. I read this book about um, textiles and dyeing, the dyeing of clothing. So purple was this big deal, and they got it from snails <laughs> in the Mediterranean. And you had to crush thousands of snails wow. after boiling them, and it just stunk to high heaven. <laughs> and so they'd keep these dyers like way outside of town because it wow. was just ridiculous. And all these text messages. And... Um, it would it would permeate the robes, so you're but it was so rare and expensive that you'd wear these purple robes to be you know exude your status. Wow. Um, anyway, and you'd stink as well, but you'd look great and rich. <laughs> so anyway, build for tomorrow. There's a history of like change and uh, you know how we freaked out about technologies like the elevator or the bicycle. Hmm. Really fun. Interesting. Well, mine is also a podcast this week. What? We're on the same wavelength. Mine is a podcast called The Best of Both Worlds, and it is uh, hosted by two working moms, one being an author named Laura Vanderkam. It's amazing. She has five kids and has written multiple books. She talks about time management. It's kind of her, and time tracking is her specialty. Hmm. But um, she and her working mom friend, interview lots of different people and just kind of give really awesome basic tips for um, both enjoying your work and enjoying your family Hmm. and uh, maximizing both and uh, you know tips for everything from how to manage the summer camp schedule for your kids to how to do good budgeting or goal setting um just i always enjoy all the people that they interview and they do a really hmm. good segment so what's your top um, tip the best of both worlds um my top tip from them uh they had some good ones about raising toddlers recently i listened to one on uh tips for surviving toddlerhood and one of we them happened to be doing that <laughs> we happened to be doing that one of them was good i didn't i aspire to this i did not do it this week but during the first uh 20 minutes of nap time you should rest because if you don't take hmm. the first 20 minutes of the toddler's nap and say like oh i gotta like do the dishes or answer some emails or whatever you put it off to the end and by then the kid wakes up and you didn't get your rest that's a good tip mm-hmm all your toddler parents out there. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Thanks for listening. <laughs>